You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, your regular weekend appointment with top healthcare professionals, where every session is painless and we never keep you waiting. Now back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Ah, welcome back. We are going to uh, head into a topic here that deserves a disclaimer. Fair warning to anyone who might be uncomfortable thinking about death and what happens after we die. We all have a decision to make, right? I am one of the millions of people who have agreed to organ donation. Whatever anybody else can use, I'm happy to donate. But I've never considered donating my entire body. We're all sort of aware of donating bodies to science, right? We've heard of that, but what's it really mean? How does it work? Who does it help? What happens to my body in the process? Well, that kind of depends. We're going to answer those questions today talking with Kelsey Byers from the Anatomical Education program at the IU School of Medicine. Now, if any of that makes you uncomfortable, I get it. So here's a chance to sort of tune away for just a minute or two. But I hope you will stay tuned and be interested to learn how this process works and what makes donating your body to a university so important to medical students. Let's begin with something you might not know about whole body donation. Kelsey wants you to know that your gift to Indiana University medical education will not help discover a new treatment or a cure for a particular disease. Whole bodies are utilized by medical schools to teach anatomy. But what we are not doing is tailored research. We're not going to be able to say directly promote the finding of a cure for a certain disease. That may be important to a donor's family and they may think they want to donate their loved one's body to that particular effort. But what I like to say to them is to turn it around and think about that donation furthering medicine as a whole. So educating incoming young doctors, dentists, physical therapists, physician's assistants, and helping those future healers uh, work toward medicine as a whole and finding those cures as um, a scientific community. You know, I guess I'm kind of surprised that um, we still need bodies. Uh, it, you know, it seems kind of an analog experience as opposed to doing it through some digital virtual reality kind of scenario. What's the advantage of actually having a body in the lab with me to learn with? Sure. At our program, we like to say that we foster the humanity in human anatomy. And what that means to us is that uh, there's a certain element that you can't get from a textbook or even as good as some of the virtual atlases may be, um, that that's a resource to look to, say, a virtual dissector and be able to zoom in on structures. Uh, Those are very cool. But first of all, How did that get made? It got made through somebody's anatomical gift that was a body donor. Um, But also for our students, we think of our donors as their first patient. And we're trying to graduate well-rounded healing healthcare professionals. Uh, So we want them to stay in touch with the humanity of their first patient and their own humanity and um, body donation and the ultimate dissection that happens at the medical school is a rite of passage for these students that um, we think attracts them to the universities in Indiana that are able through the generous gifts of our donors to offer them that opportunity. So let me just be clear about that. Are, 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 my, are the students who are going to be working on me, do they know me? Do they know my name? Do they know anything about me at all? 
they know some limited information. We keep it um, within the confines of HIPAA and how uh, we would treat just in any other healthcare context, personal health information. So the students that are working with a donor, they will know the donor's sex, obviously, their age, um, their occupation, the cause of their death, according to their physician on the death certificate. Uh, we do not share during the course personal identifier information like names or the town you're from, but families and students can share that information after the course has concluded if they choose to. So when I'm uh, in, in the dissection lab, uh, is it going to be one group of students that I'm going to be working with this whole time, or is my body kind of shared among a group of students? A little of column A, a little of column B. Uh, a first patient is assigned to a group of usually four to six students that are assigned to that pod. They'll work specifically with that donor, kind of take ownership of that donor uh, through the course of the semester or the school year. However, uh, we do have obviously an opportunity to learn from each other. We do peer teaching in our labs. So that may mean that the students are shifting around to see interesting structures all throughout the lab and in that way get to you know take advantage of all of the gifts that have been made. But generally speaking, there's one first patient uh, to a group of four to six students. How long am I going to be um, in that lab? How long will you be using my remains? Our program can take up to two years from the time of death through to the cremation and return to the family. Um, it can be as short as a couple months. It just depends on the needs of the school at the time and what classes are forming. Uh, but we like to make sure that all donor families are aware up to two years and you'll hear from us at the conclusion of the class. And then what happens? I'd assume you're returning, I'm assuming you're cremating my remains and then returning them to me, but, but then what? How does that happen? Sure. Yes, all donors are individually cremated at the conclusion of their lab, and then we contact the next of kin with a letter, and we wait for that letter to be returned to us. It's kind of a form where the donor family will specify their preferences and uh, sign it and return it to us, and the options there are to return an urn with an in-person appointment. You can come see us at our offices in Indianapolis, and we'll sit down with you, talk about the class that your loved one was a part of, returned the urn with the cremated remains. Uh, most of our families, since we're a statewide program, can't necessarily pop over to Indy easily. So we utilize the United States Postal Service and they do have a very regimented structure. Those packages are well marked um, and they're handled accordingly. They, they know that we have human remains uh, inside that securely boxed urn. So we send those with signature required and insured. Um, and the final option is for donor families to allow us to lay their loved one to rest at Crown Hill Cemetery here in Indianapolis. We have a section that's dedicated to um, memorialization and a space for reflection. So any donor families are welcome. Um, to visit that site. It's section 41 at Crown Hill Cemetery. And we invite donor families who lay their loved ones to rest there to join us for a graveside service every fall. 
And again, that is Kelsey Byers, head of the anatomical education program at the IU School of Medicine. Got to tell you, I'm kind of on the fence about this. I see the need and I like the thought that my body could help train new doctors who would then help thousands of people over their careers versus the handful of people I could help as an organ donor, which then prevents donation to the university. Now, keep in mind, there are body brokers out there that built a business around marketing human remains. They promote body donation as a gift to science, a way to help research programs. But know that your remains are most likely going to be divided. Limbs may go to orthopedic research, other components sold to labs around the world. Demand for body parts from America is high in countries where religious tradition or laws prohibit human dissection. The United States largely does not regulate the sale of donated body parts, and entrepreneurs have expanded exports rapidly. That body, which has served you so well, has great value even after you are gone. If you'd like to know more, I'll include links to a Reuters investigation of the body trade with the show notes for this episode. You'll find it on all the major podcast services, also on the Health Call website, healthcall.live. We have much more to come in the second half hour, so I hope you'll stay tuned to the Health Call Radio Hour, right here on WoWo. Still I run toward the wind and let the challenge draw me in, because I want more. Podcasts by Federated Media.